everybody, it's Tanya again with Recovering Church Girls, and I have with me today Philip Van Norstrand. First of all, hi, Philip. Hi, how's it going? I can't believe we're actually both in the same time zone again. Yes, we're we're not know. in the same place. We've tried that, and it's not working. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. <laughs> I think uh, you might be one of the only people I know who travels more often than I do, um, and I have to admit, there's there's a bit of envy coming from my side oh, of yeah. the computer screen as I'm like scrolling through social media. So That's just in funny. case you didn't know that, I thought I would go ahead and put that out there. Um, and one of the reasons why you're traveling so often is you're a professional photographer and Mm -hmm. you do a little bit of everything when it comes to the photography side of things. And I think that's actually how we met um, by way of introduction from a good friend of mine and a client of yours. And as you and I got to chatting, we found that, oh, wow, there's this whole backstory that we have in common. And so at that point, I knew we were going to have to have a conversation on the air and hear more about what that was all about. (laughs) Yes. So with that being said, uh, what can you tell us kind of about your background and experience as it relates to recovering church girls uh, with a little asterisk behind it to include the guys and non-binary as well? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, I mean, so I, I grew up in the church. Uh, that would be like evangelical Christian church. Um, my parents brought me and my sister to a vineyard church every Sunday morning. Gosh, I haven't um, heard vineyard in a long time. I forgot about that. Yeah, it was a really lovely place to be, actually, and and a really kind of thriving community. Um, when I was ten, uh, there was a lot of guy like boys in our church, and so one of the youth leaders there decided to do like a boys' summer camp, and I, I came in. Um, in fifth grade, I guess, and and every day we'd do like bike riding or like blow darts in the backyard or I don't know, just like crazy little trips, sleeping under the stars, like random stuff. It was a day camp, but we just had like an adventure every day, and it was so fun. Um, I really, it was it was like the moment that I made um, my faith my own when I was only ten, but I, I really was like. From that point, even that before, right before that camp, my parents had told me like I could come with them on Sundays or not if I wanted to, and and, and from that moment on, I was like determined to go to everything um, because it was so much fun and it was just like good, clean fun. And so I did that. One of my friends had like a, a youth group that he was going to, and so I started going to their youth group. And then I was doing my vineyard church on Sundays and and my Baptist youth group on Wednesdays and everything else in between. So you're hitting yeah. the the Sunday morning, the Wednesday night, the the whole nine yards. And I, yeah. I love that idea that you're saying, you know, first of all, that your parents gave you the choice, because I feel like that in and of itself was such a beautiful gift for parents who are in some sort of organized religion to mm-hmm. recognize, you know, kind of the autonomy of their children and at doing so at a younger age where they can really start to yeah. choose their own expressions of their faith. So it's not necessarily even whether or not there is a faith background there or a basis, but just to be able mm-hmm. to say, you know, Hey, it's up to you how you want to do this. That's, that is a pretty, yeah. pretty rare thing. I've seen. It, it is rare. They definitely didn't force it on me. I mean, my parents, interestingly enough, uh, came from like a, a Christian commune, basically. Like that's how they met was on this hippie kind of commune in the seventies during the Jesus movement. And so, oh, how interesting. Um, yeah, so I was born on a co- like in a commune, 
and in California and then didn't really remember any of that life and then sort of almost like recreated that for myself later. Hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. Huh. Yeah. And it's interesting. I, I love what you'd mentioned about the idea of, you know, from that moment on, you chose to really stay engaged and get involved. And I remember it wasn't until college, uh, the, the first time that I realized sitting in a church next to the guy I was dating at the time, uh, a mega church in Tulsa, because, you know, of course, there's like a dozen mega churches in Tulsa, yeah. being the buckle of the Bible belt. And I remember thinking, I don't actually have to be here. I'm choosing to be here. And it was like this epiphany moment. It was oh, the yeah. first time in my life that I was there because I chose to be. I like that. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it's, then it becomes part of your identity, right? Well, and it's yeah. so interesting that you say that, because that's actually one of the big things that we talk a lot about within Recovering Church Girls, is this idea of who we are based on how we were informed, especially for those of us who grew up in the church and maybe with a more um, rule-based and fundamental type of philosophy on things that mm -hmm. we never really knew <laughs> that there were any other ways of being because that was all we were exposed to and just how that really becomes yeah. part of the fabric of who we are. But you had a slightly different you know, kind of way in. You, you chose earlier in yeah. to be able to to enjoy that so let's say okay now you're in your early teens take us through you know kind of your spiritual journey what happens next um i was involved in like two different youth groups i was really like a youth group kid you know all of my friends that i hung out with were kids from the youth group and um i had a like my wednesday night baptist youth group my thursday night vineyard youth group um i think there was like a college group that I started going to when I was like, when I was at the end of my high school years. I, I mean, it was almost every night of the week I was doing something. Um, and so, so it was like Tuesday night college group, Wednesday night youth group, Thursday night youth group. Maybe it was a leaders meeting that I was involved or there was like a worship night at the local Christian college, um, Westmont. And so I would go to that on Sunday nights and, and it, it ended up being that you know, after after I, I think the common trajectory for like hardcore youth group kids is that they just become like a youth group leader or they start like coming back and, and volunteering their time as a leader. And that's exactly what I did. I just became like a leader. And so there was like a, a very easy transition from attending youth group to like being like helping with the worship team or leading games or whatever um, and then going to camps and stuff. And so, yeah, I just like switched over into leadership role. That makes a lot of sense. College. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with you that it is absolutely the trajectory of, especially I think when so much of your community becomes focused around the idea of, again, this identity, you know, this mm -hmm. is just who I am. It's part of my community and it yeah. becomes something that is, you know, bigger than us. And yet we're still a big, you know, cog in the wheel, so to speak, in terms of making it all work. Exactly. What what was that like for you in the sense of, you know, kind of the bigger picture of your college career, having mm -hmm. so much involvement in the church and in the youth group? And did you have any trouble balancing things, you know, in terms of your own life in addition to the role that you were playing within the church? Yeah, that, that's interesting. I, I actually, I mean, it's funny you say that because I, I think I, I was, I remember like distinctly telling myself like I'm, I'm going to college for my parents 
but my life, my real life was like back in the church. And so like, I didn't do anything with college. I, I, I was still living at home cause it was like slightly, it was cheaper. And so I got a degree in philosophy just because I liked it, but it had nothing, you know, in my mind, I was like finishing college so I could continue doing what I was already meant to do, which was like mm. be a youth leader. And so I, it, I, I mean, the church was like my whole, whole life. Like I, I really just went to school and then I like went back and did youth stuff. Or I studied in a little bit, but, but I also, <laughs> but it was all, you know, it, it was like going to college to, finished to continue doing what I already knew I was going to do I didn't need college to be like a youth pastor and that's yeah, what that, I so that was, was kind of like you know checking the box to mm-hmm. to make the parents happy or do whatever yeah. the things were that we were supposed to do um but that exactly. was really more of kind of like just buying time just to, yes. to be able to really get back to the full-time idea mm-hmm. of the youth mm-hmm. pastor okay yeah. so I noticed you're, yeah. you're not a youth pastor now Yes, so, I'm not a youth pastor. So tell us, like, what what happened between mm-hmm. this this idea of this is what I want to do, this is really what you know what's driving me and where I want to be spending my time and energy, to now being in the space of like, nope, that's not the life for me. What what happened there? Um, yeah, I guess uh, I would say like around 26, 27, 28 years old, um, I started stepping away from like as as many of the things that I was doing, I, I was involved with like Young Life, which is a Christian youth organization, and then LOG, which is Love of God, like another Christian youth organization in Santa Barbara, and then one youth group and another youth group. And so and, and so that was like four different sort of leadership activities that I was I was being a part of every week, including being on like a worship team and all this different stuff. So first and, of all, um, it's amazing you didn't burn out just from the sheer amount of things you were doing. Yeah, but I think, um, I know, I think it was just uh, that, yeah, that's, a, that's another part of the story is that I, I think I was young enough for it to be like, to have energy for anything, you know, it mm-hmm. just didn't matter. Like I didn't, I didn't realize then that it was not sustainable what I was, the, the enthusiasm that I was doing, the fervor, like the, the amount of investment and all of that I don't I don't think is sustainable anymore as an adult but um but back then it it wasn't even a thought it was just like that's what I that's what I do with my free time Mm -hmm. yeah and so so but around 26 27 I stepped away from one thing like log and then 28 I stepped away from the um the young life thing and and so I just was slowly taking little steps back um and sort of re-evaluating my identity it's hard to explain like what happened around them but it was more like a philosophical shift for me of um not quite feeling like my my full self Mm. in in the christian church and and needing to figure out what that what that was and i think that you know what it meant it felt like my real self was how do i describe this I just always felt like I was off or wrong or bad, you know, like mm-hmm. I wasn't, I was never enough in, in the church. And that wasn't necessarily like what the church was saying, but it was just sort of like the culture of like striving for more, trying to pray more, do more, be better. And yeah. so, you know. 
Okay, so let's hang out in this space for a second because this has been a recurring theme every single conversation that I've had about mm-hmm. the idea of recovering church girls inevitably comes to this point where it's not necessarily something that we get directly from the Bible. Sometimes it's something that's said from the pulpit, sometimes it's not. But the impact mm-hmm. of the culture, which I think we can go so far as to say has impacted Main Street USA just as much as it has you know, within the church walls, Mm-hmm. There's something about that culture that really comes back to this idea of as a very foundation, you are not enough, period, full story, that's yeah. it. And therefore, yeah, it I mean, that's the so whole driven. story. Yeah. So what, exactly. what did that look like for you? I mean, because that's something that we all talk about all the time because we can totally identify. I know definitely I can uh, personally as well. What did it like? How did that show up for you? Where did you get the first sense of like, man, something just isn't <laughs> what's not right here? I mean, yeah, I think I was like even becoming more like more in my sexuality. And and that was probably, I don't know if there was anything else except like just feeling like, okay, like I'm exploring more with women, but trying really hard not to have sex and like, and, and trying to make some sort of like boundary line that was like, okay, as a Christian. Um, and, and then you know, after realizing after a couple of years that I was just playing sort of legalism, like, Mm. okay, this is okay. This is not okay. Now I'm safe. Like it it, it was weird. I just had to out myself and be like, this is not, you're either doing this or you're not doing this. But but if my heart wants to do it, then I guess that's who I am. You know what I mean? If I want to have sex, then I guess I'm someone who wants to have sex. I'm not (laughs) someone who doesn't want to have sex. I'm, you know what I mean? And, And it's, it's probably the same but very different experience that that gay people have in the church, you know? It's like, at first, they probably try to, if they want to be a good Christian, they're trying to, like, pray Mm -hmm. it away somehow or, like, or, like, have the willpower to go through. But but that's the part that was unsustainable, I think, is, like, the willpower part, where, like, there's only so much, like, will we have and, like, striving um, to be good or perfect or, like, not uh, masturbate or something. And so... I think yeah, the, um, the whole will bit, like the mm-hmm. the striving. Yeah. <laughs> Just you're, you're saying that I'm like, uh-huh. And I feel like yeah. I can physically feel how exhausting that is yeah. because that there was so much of us trying to do things in our own in our mm-hmm. own way, in our own power to like, again, hit all the boxes, get the gold stars, be the good kids. And especially then when we roll yeah. into the leaders, because now we have the responsibility of all of yeah, these young kids exactly. looking up to us. So yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting place to be, that's for sure. And then that, that was what I, I finally, that was the, the actual switch for me was, was giving up the, the fight, like the mm-hmm. willpower fight. Because it, it, was, it was not sustainable, I think. Just to, like if you read, I just read a book recently, like this last year on willpower called Willpower Doesn't Work, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which is fascinating, <laughs> but it's, it's a really good book. And uh, it's just talking about like how willpower is almost like a reserve that we have and there's only so much. I think when we're younger, it's a little bit bigger tank, but but as we get older, it's not, I don't know, it's just, I was just trying too hard, and it was like, it was just always like a fight between the flesh and the blood, mm. or the flesh and the spirit, you know, right. and and, uh, and that's what I gave up. Yeah. And then when I, when I gave that up, like, I, I was basically, without realizing it, saying, like, I'm not, I'm not a part of this, I, I, I can't play this game anymore. I like this. So whether I believe in God or not, like I'm stepping away from the whole culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I was just going to ask you about. So 
being the fact that so much of your identity was wrapped up in the role that you were playing within the church and even just your schedule. You know, you were obligated and committed to being a part of these things on multiple Mm -hmm. days every week. So what did that look like for you when it came to, you know, kind of finding your footing outside of the context of that definition of that identity and even just literally of the schedule? Like, what did you do with all this free time now all of a sudden? Well, I I mean, around that time, I was also getting my teaching credential. And so I was, I was doing that. I was like being a full-time teacher. Um, And then also around that time, I was starting to get like my, take my photography hobby to another level. And so I was starting like two whole other careers. Um, And so the photography took up a ton of time. The schooling obviously was like a big part of my, my energy and focus. And so yeah, that's all. I just I just spend more time like doing photography stuff and editing and learning and like reading and and uh, I guess building up my own business like from scratch. Uh, and I think that's kind of what replaced church. Maybe that's so interesting. Yeah. I I can again I can relate to that. And I don't know that I ever thought about it in the sense of of replacing the mm-hmm. the church schedule or the community or what have you um with my career but but yeah i can see the parallels in that and i think it's interesting too um specifically the wedding industry there's a couple of people that we've chatted with uh from the wedding industry oh, um, yeah. recovering church girls and just how you know we're we're kind of an unusual bunch um mm-hmm. in the sense that perfectionism is a big deal for us because you know theoretically hopefully anyway there's really yeah. only one wedding, says the twice divorced wedding planner. So a little bit of irony uh-huh. in my statement here. But you know, like we have such a drive, especially for the visual presentation and you know the the specialness, the uniqueness of the moment. There's a lot of things that we transfer, you know, kind of from one skill set to the other, if you will, when it comes to the expectation, the striving, the wanting yeah. everything to be perfect, the getting the gold stars, the getting the five star review. You know, yeah, there's there's a lot of correlation there. I totally agree. That's funny. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. So and so yeah, go ahead. Oh no, God. Oh, I don't know. I was just gonna like tie up that last thought. Was that like I I guess I also when I had more free time, like I was being more social. You know, I was starting to make friends with like local entrepreneurs and people a little bit outside of the Christian bubble, Um, and just sort of yeah, I was just being social. Like I, I always was busy, busy, but it just was like less church social time and more like adult social time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what did that look like when it came to, uh, I think one of the things I'd be really curious about, the, the connection that you had to making a difference for the youth group. Was it something that you were really motivated because it was just the the piece that you had known and that you continued in from like being an active member Mm -hmm. of the youth group going into leadership that clearly this is the trajectory your life is going to go? Or was there something else that was calling to you in the idea of, you know, kind of the bigger picture, like the legacy that we want to lead, the, um, you know, kind of impact we want to make, that type of a thing? Because I think that was definitely a through line to a lot of the culture that I experienced as well, and also the expectations that were placed on me growing up in that church environment, it was kind of a foregone conclusion that, of course, I'm going to give my life and ministry in some way, shape, or form because it's my responsibility to do so. How much of that did you have versus this was just what you wanted to do because you wanted to do it? Um, 
I think this answers your question. Like I always felt like my, my mission in life was to mentor uh, youth. And so, uh, you know, originally I felt like it was a God-given mission. And even now, whether that's true or not, I still think it's my mission to inspire and mentor. And so, and, and that's it. And so I think that um, like working with youth, I happen to be involved with church a ton. And so, and so that's, that's where I ended up working with youth. Now I, I still mentor youth and, and people in photography a little bit. And, and I'm doing that kind of thing. It just doesn't have the church context, but, um, but I was always going to work with youth no matter what. I had it, yeah. Cause I love, I love youth and I, I always, and I still believe that that's um, like one of the most noble things and, and beautiful things to do is to, is to work with young people and, and give them hope. I love that. I love yeah. that idea. Yeah. And I think sometimes too, there's, there are so many layers to this idea of unpacking the church culture because mm-hmm. there's so much of it that, that is really beautiful. The idea of the community and the connection yeah. Yeah. You know, of, of reaching in every which direc- direction, whether that's to someone younger than you, someone older than you, you know, mm-hmm. really having a deep, beautiful sense of community. And yet sometimes there is this like dark, twisty underbelly that we don't ever really talk about. And so that's where you can find a lot of the self-doubt and the fear, so much fear-based like conditioning on so many layers, just many different things that until we step far enough away that we can really see it for what it is. Did you have any, you know, kind of like aha moments in, in that kind of like finding your new footing? Um, I'll say this, like, I, I think, it took me moving to New York when I was 32 to, to fully like step away from that world that, that I had created around myself in Santa Barbara. And so I left Santa Barbara. I was, I was helping with the youth group in my church up until the very last Sunday that I was there. And I even like thought I would maybe find a new church community in, in New York. And I wasn't quite willing to like sever that cord completely, but but I, once I got to New York and I didn't have um, like the environment of Santa Barbara around me, it was like very easy for me to skip a Sunday for work or be traveling and then and then not really get into the groove of church life. And, and it was only then that I was able to like see see Christian culture, I think, from the other side completely. And and then when I did visit like a big church in New York. Um, after having been away for a couple of months, it was very strange. Like I went to a Hillsong mm-hmm. church out here, mm-hmm. like a famous one that Justin Bieber's gone to and stuff. And <laughs> it was a lot of production uh, and like pretty people on stage and music. You know, it was just mm-hmm. a lot. It was a lot. And it felt like very branded, uh, mm-hmm. which felt, that felt to me like kind of darker and ugly a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, stepping around homeless people going to the church, but I don't know. I, I don't want to like talk about hypocrisy in the church or whatever, but I just feel like it was, it was just too branded for me. And it felt, I, I, I saw then that that was like not the authentic sort of thing that, that, um, that I had always wanted. Yeah. That you're really looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can, again, I can identify. I remember uh, I went to Earl Roberts university in Tulsa, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. 
uh, okay. which there's a whole nother story there. But I remember uh, my very last semester, I lived off campus. It's a residential school. So, you know, 98% of mm-hmm. the students all live on campus. I had to get a doctor's note to actually move off. It was a, oh, funny. It's a long story. Yeah. <laughs> so here I am. I am now a commuter coming back to finish my last semester. Mm. And uh, we have mandatory chapel twice a week. Or three yes, times I'm, a week. Yeah, I yeah. I remember. Uh, but the commuter is all set up in the balcony. I remember one time sitting in the balcony of of the uh, chapel service, and there was a particular guest that was there that I won't name, uh, but they were a family member related to the president at the time uh, of Mm -hmm. the ministry. And their child, um, I'd say he was maybe eight, was doing literally a song and dance number for uh, for the chapel performance. Performance. Yeah. That's really, I didn't mean to say performance, but I think that might be the accurate word. Sure. I remember sitting there and leaning over to a friend of mine is like, do you see the puppet strings? Because I'm pretty sure I see like the marionette yeah. figure, like, you know, like, does this kid want to do this? Like, what mm-hmm. is even the, and so at that point, there'd been several things all throughout my entire childhood and in my adulthood. But I remember that particular moment going, I can't wait to get out of here. And I was so bitter on graduation day. I feel so badly now looking back at it. Uh, you know, everybody else is like super excited. And, uh-huh. you know, I had a double major and a double minor. And so I had one extra semester than all the rest of my classmates. Uh, I'm like, okay. I don't know anybody. Uh, I'm a computer now. Like I was just a total, uh, t- yeah, yeah. total spoiled brat when it came to my <clears throat> attitude. But part of it was Funny. I was so disillusioned. Like I was so over the production factor and the manipulation and the guilt and, you know, all yeah. of the rest of it. I was at 21. You. Is that yeah, what you're saying? I was say yeah, 2023, 20, I think. Um, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, because I, well, that's another story. Uh, I did an internship with the ministry the year between high school and college, one that we uh, talk a lot around uh, about here uh, just because it was so impactful. Put it this way uh, they were then featured a few years ago on one of those like Dateline 2020 shows about being a cult. So that oh, wow. one took me a good 10 years to kind of wrap my head around of like, oh, I think I was in a cult for a year. That's crazy. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a lot, lot of layers to that. Um, but I think the the production element of, of church is so interesting because especially, again, the professional perspective that you and I have for this, we, mm-hmm. we know production, we know performance, mm-hmm. we know timelines and schedules and call times. And, you know, we know the lingo, we know what happens behind the scenes to execute mm-hmm. those kinds of events. So sometimes it's, it's that kind of thing of like, you can't unsee it. Once you see yeah, it from that perspective, funny. you can't really ever see it differently. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah, it's an interesting feature of Christianity or church. Like if they're, if they want to be like somewhat interesting to like newcomers, then they got to do this like soft sort of like an entertainment hour. basically. Mm, yeah. I, I guess that's what's happening, but it, uh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. It just is sort of, it's <laughs> different. It's, it's weird. Um, I like, I just, I just always imagined that like, that's not quite what Jesus had in mind, you know? Right. Um, yeah. 
So I now live just outside of Philadelphia. And when mm-hmm. I moved here, I moved directly from Tulsa. So, you know, like I said, the buckle of the Bible Belt and then to the suburbs of Philadelphia. And yeah. I remember seeing all of these Quaker churches all throughout the countryside and mm. not really knowing anything about the Quaker religion. And I still don't know that much other than, you know, what I've been exposed to from the wedding side of things. But one of the things that I found so fascinating about mm-hmm. the services is really just the idea of here's a place to come and be. And that's yeah. it. like that's that's the end of the sentence. I was like, yeah. oh, that's interesting. I always liked the Quaker. I thought that was yeah. That's so funny that you say that. That yeah, that like, was that like might be something to check out. <laughs> that was always the model that I thought like had it closest. To, mm. You know what I mean? Like just their philosophy around I don't know forgiveness and people and love and and not not much agenda. But right. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And maybe and I, maybe I like- that. Yeah, maybe that's what what it is. Is that there's like a lack of agenda for them versus like a lot of churches have membership quotas that they're trying to make or Christians that they've saved or things like that. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I love the idea that you call that out for the agenda piece, yeah. because I think that is so it's so informing as to how decisions are made and then whether or not that's actually a genuine outreach or, you know, mm-hmm. and, and not to fault those who prioritize those things. Uh, although I guess I could actually kind of poke at it a little bit more. Um, but just that idea of, you know, really what is the purpose and what yeah. is, what's the intention behind it? And I wonder too, with the idea of you having the the background in philosophy, where are you now? Like, what does your spiritual journey look like now? Yeah. Um, it's, it's different because I, I think, I think like attending church was so tied to like my faith and my identity that that now that I haven't been attending church, I don't, I don't think much about it. And I don't, I would say like, <clears throat> you, you think after like going through a philosophy degree, philosophy degree that I enjoy talking about stuff like that a lot, but I, I used to when I was in my twenties, but I hate talking about politics or religion or, or anything that's like really contentious and that people like think is a, is like a rational argument, but they're really just emotional. You know, it's really an emotional argument. Right. I don't, <clears throat> I don't think about it very much because I just think that there's like so too many unknowables that I don't, I don't know what I think about God and I don't know what I think about spirituality. And, and right now I'm just in New York playing like this, um, this career game with photography, but I don't necessarily believe in that. I just like, I love photography and I want to be the best. Um, But I don't know. I I don't think about God very much at all, actually. And, And I don't, I have a feeling that there's not much going on up there, you know? And I, I don't think that, uh, it's it's hard the older I get like the more suffering and and like terrible things I see in the world and it, it makes me really like sad actually um but I don't I don't I don't know I don't know how to answer that question I just don't think about God very much these days is there something that feels really refreshing about being able to say I don't know now at this yeah point, like in contrast I mean that feels 20s. very true sure yeah yeah that, that that's like the most authentic that I can get, you know, mm-hmm. is that I just don't know. <clears throat> I have, um, <clears throat> sorry, I have a, a men's group that I've become a part of almost like as I was transitioning out of my church life and my men's group, 
um, I won't, I won't, I don't want to say it replaced church, but it definitely has like given me new community mm. and, and it's just like this non-religious nonprofit kind of group of guys. Like it's an international organization, but we just get together every week and just talk about our emotions and like life things. But even in the first year or two of being with this group, um, we, uh, even the first like few meetings, we talked more about my life and, and like deep, heavy things than I ever did in church, like mm. for 30 years or 28 years. And so I appreciate just authentic living and, and trying to, to be real, you know, yeah. Yeah, even, even in uh, <clears throat> social media and all that stuff. Like I really want what's on the outside to reflect what's on the inside mm-hmm. and not have it be kind of like a show. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's something that you and I both share, uh, kind of mm-hmm. not to overuse the word philosophy, but but that's tends to be how I think of it. I would rather choose the, you know, hey, here's me with the rollers and the hair still doing my makeup uh-huh. before I go on type of a yeah, thing yeah. as a lead picture than, than the ball gowns. Although I have to be admit I do like my ball gowns so you know (laughs) I I like dressing up too yeah like it goes both ways right like and I think that that's an important thing like we are multifaceted people so to be able to embrace all of the aspects of us as opposed to you know elevate one or the other but I think about that often as it ties back to spirituality as well you know again we're still multifaceted people so for me to be Uh able to say there are things I don't know has been really refreshing and just to be able to say like you know it's okay I don't have to have all the answers I don't have to live in such a way that indicates that I do when that's not what I am authentically feeling right here right now yeah I agree I like that a lot yeah and I think think with the oh hmm. sorry (laughs) yeah I was just gonna try to say with the philosophy thing like I was I was really really like um like a strong arguer for Christianity in all my philosophy classes back in the day. But, but now I, all I think the philosophy has done for me is just, um, uh, just, just be more intentional and thoughtful about how I live my life. And that, mm. that's it. You know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. and regardless of whether I'm, I'm involved with the church or not, I still am trying to be intentional about how I ride the subway or how I'm getting on an airplane or doing my business or like communicating with people and, and so I'm always like trying to refine that edge, but yeah, but not yeah. with like church in mind. No, but I love that because what I'm hearing is more of you have humanity in mind. Yeah. You know, it's, it's more about making connections with real life humans that mm-hmm. are in front of you and that you're interacting with or encountering, whether it's social media or if it's, you know, in real life. And so to be able to apply that kind of, presence and you know be here now type of a philosophy as opposed to you know the idea of let's go out and save the world by the weekend you know they're they're two very different ways of being where one is truly relationship driven and the other one has this hidden agenda and this Mm -hmm, objective mm of i need to create this change as opposed Mm -hmm. to no i need to be the change in myself and how i show up for other people yeah i like that and i really like the present be here now uh, idea a lot so that that's something that I'm constantly trying to tackle and, I was just gonna say has that been yeah. hard for you because it's been hard for me <laughs> yeah I mean yes the, the the number one thing that I deal with now in in my like New York sort of life is um just time time management and and 
not overpacking my schedule, which I tend to do, and and being out like even this, like I, I you know, I, I thought I could squeeze in like a, a lunch at eleven thirty, even though we were starting at ten thirty. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh-huh. and so, and I don't like that. That that's not really fair to you, and it doesn't give this like an open. It's hard. I try to do like five, six, seven things in one day instead of like two or three. Right. And even two or three is like a lot for most people. So <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Two or three yeah. feels like a very empty day to me. But but I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm I'm, I'm usually good for like two hours at a time. And, and I, I've realized that about myself. And I just, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to be good with the people that I'm with and make sure that I don't cut that short. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think too, I wonder how much of that ties back and I might be stretching here, but I know mm-hmm. for me personally, this ties back to this idea of really driving and striving from mm. the church culture because I felt like no time could be wasted. And I, I guess mm. that idea, like I have, you know, the, this mental soundtrack going on in my mind about Jesus could come back at any moment and you have That's to, funny. you know, like all of these verses are coming to my yeah. head about, you know, being mm. effective as opposed to being present. And that has been... That's interesting. Yeah, that's been an interesting balance for me. I don't, I don't know. I wonder if that... I really wonder if that's from the church or like a personality thing. No, I, I didn't fully admit it could be personality yeah. also. <laughs> I didn't feel that as much, but I, but I, I felt like myself personally am like a constant, like, yeah, efficiency person or achiever person, you know? And so... But I always assumed that was more personality than church, but maybe not. Well, and it's that. funny because, you yeah. know, flip flip the the cards here a little bit in the idea that that's actually one of I've got a gazillion careers I feel like sometimes Mm -hmm. um but I'm a certified productivity coach so because it's like I geek out over this stuff yeah Um, yeah and so that just was a natural byproduct and again like you said probably part of just who I am but I'm also realizing the dig the deeper that I dig into all the ways that I've been impacted from growing up in the church culture how I've seen things uh-huh. doesn't necessarily match the way that it actually is. And so being yeah. able to like get down to that level of saying, oh, wow, you know, maybe what I was told isn't really true. Uh-huh. And what is true for me right now? And we were talking earlier about this idea of like the multifaceted self. I think yeah. one thing that I really have come to appreciate in this idea of be here now, you know, kind of where this all intersects, who I am right now may not necessarily be who I am tomorrow mm-hmm. and be able to give myself that kind of grace and freedom to grow and expand and retreat and, you know, do all the things that I need to do in order to honor who I am and not try and always maintain this static, you know, level of achievement yeah. or whatever the case might yeah, be. Yeah, that's nice. Yep, I agree. It's been an interesting journey, that's for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, Philip, thank you so much for your time and especially knowing how much you value it and you've got lots Uh of things going on. I appreciate you making time for us for this conversation. Yeah, my pleasure. It was really fun. I like talking to you. You're great. (laughs) You're a good interviewer too. Oh, why, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So if this resonates with you guys uh, who are listening, be sure to share out uh, the the episode uh, as we're on Recovering Church Girls and the journey that we continue on together with that. And of course, rating, reviewing, subscribing, all that fun stuff that's always appreciated. But really, it's just about getting the conversation out so that more of us can have a place to be and to really you know, be seen and be heard together in this. So Philip, again, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye.